Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm your host, John Hare. On today's show, I'll give you an update on Scratch, my Vaquero Heritage Training Challenge Wild Horse of Oak Creek. Boy, that's a mouthful. Yes, and uh, I'll talk about the things we've been doing and what we've been up to. And then I also have a brand new uh, idea for a podcast, and I'll need your help for that. So stay tuned. I'm going to give you the details at the end of the show. Well, Scratch and I have been getting along pretty well. It's been um, two months since I got him, and we're at, we've just passed the halfway point. In two months, I'll have to show him in Tehachapi, California at the Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge. If you're anywhere in the area, I hope you'll stop by. In between sessions, I'll be available. Uh, please stop by, say hi, introduce yourself. I'd really love to meet you all. Anyway, we've um, Scratch and I have been riding still in the Hackamore. Uh, we've gotten in our 21st ride. A couple of weeks ago in Tehachapi, California, which is where the horses are, when you, if you remember, but if you've been following along, you know that I got Scratch in Tehachapi. They have a mountain festival in the summertime, and part of that mountain festival includes a parade. The organizers of the event... Uh, the Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge, or maybe I'll just call that VHTC from now on, uh, asked uh, if any of the trainers wanted to bring their horse up to walk in the parade. Well, I thought this would be a great uh, opportunity to get Scratch exposed to the public and to uh, have him see a lot of different things and experience a lot of things. I decided to participate in that event. One of the other trainers, Monica Whitmer, brought her horse along as well. And then there were uh, five other horses that had been adopted uh, in the past and were owned by private individuals, and they brought their horses to walk in the parade as well. So we uh, it was a Saturday morning parade, and we um, got up early. We had to be there at 7.30 in the morning. And um, it's about an hour, it's about an hour drive, 45-minute drive from Bakersfield, Got Scratch all uh, cleaned up, uh, got him fed early, and we got on the road. He trailer, he's been trailering spectacularly. He's uh, he goes to a lot of different places, and uh, we get to the parade, and we realize that uh, it doesn't start until 10 a.m. They wanted us there at 7:30 to check in, and there was some confusion about whether the. Um, that the different exhibitors were going to be judged or not. So it, it was a good idea. It was just a good experience for us to stand around amongst all the the high school bands and the and the Harleys and the rodeo queens with their horses, just standing around and get used to the whole environment. And he really did uh, pretty well for the most part. Uh, we had a little bit of a of an incident, and I'll, I'll tell you about it. We were we'd been standing around uh, with our other of uh, the Carroll Heritage horses in the, our little designated area. I had walked him around. I had done some of the yielding on hindquarters, and it kind of made him pay attention to me for the first half hour, forty five minutes or so. But think about it: we had two two and a half hours or something like that before the parade start. So we're just standing around and enjoying things, and he's fairly calm at this point, and uh, things are going well. I think he's going to handle everything pretty well, and I'm talking with the other people who own Oak Creek horses, and we're having a, a grand old time. 
and the parade's about ready to start. They uh, send off the high school band. That fires up, and we actually approach the high school band to see if he's going to be disturbed by it if I need to work him or not. And Scratch doesn't doesn't move a muscle. He's the ears pricked forward, and he's interested, but other than that, he's not nervous or scared or anything like that. And then uh, the Harleys come by, and same thing. No, not a problem. He's doing great. Uh, I feel like, oh, this is really a good experience for him. And we're standing about 25, 30 feet from uh, from the next float that comes up, which is a dance troupe, and they've got the little uh, the little triangle-shaped flyers that are hanging from their their trailer rig and the wind's blowing in Tachapi as it always does and we're standing there and I accidentally dropped my lead rope and when I bent down to pick it up Scratch stepped backwards and now he had the rope hooked under his front leg and as I lifted my head up he pulled back the rope kind of tightened around his front legs and all I saw were the whites of his eyes he looked up and he must have seen those things flapping around. He got a little bit scared. I got a little bit nervous. I called out to him, whoa. And he pulled back and uh, it was off to the races. He he pulled. I tried to keep him in under control. I, did, I was able to do that for about 20 feet. I thought maybe um, he might run into somebody or something. If I hung on, he was moving backwards pretty quick and then he turned sideways. And once he got sideways on me and turned his head away from me, I knew I was in big trouble. And he pulled and there was nothing that I could do but let go. And I let go of the lead rope and he took off. Now there were dozens of horse trailers in this little staging area that we were in. And uh, I thought, you know, he's going to stop next to one of the horses. Well, I lost sight of him because he went behind a horse trailer and I couldn't see which direction he went. So uh, somebody pointed one direction and I heard noise in another direction and then took off running. And he was running down the street and uh, he was headed back to Oak Creek. That guy uh, looked like he was headed right for the hills. And at that point, I thought, man, I'm going to be kicked out of the competition and uh, I'm going to be... Uh, I'm going to be asked to go home. I probably won't even get to walk in the parade. As it turns out, we chased uh, we chased Scratch for about a quarter of a mile. He uh, entered a, uh, a park with a softball diamond and got himself cornered in a parking lot. And once he got there, realized he had no place else to go. He just stood there and, and calmly let somebody walk up to him. I wasn't very far behind and grabbed the lead rope. And the organizer, Jeremy, and Jeremy Dunn and I walked back to the to the parade starting point and uh, talked about uh, what went on and, and how it came about and what we were going to do about it. And he was all very nice and uh, I felt terrible that I'd let my horse go and, and almost lost him and also felt relief that no cars hit him or he hit no cars and we had kind of come out of it unscathed. He had a couple of rope burns from the lead rope but other than that, he was not too worse for wear. And just as we get up to the beginning of the parade route, uh, they call, hey, it's the Oak Creek horses. Get in line. So I kind of look at Jeremy, and, and he doesn't say anything. And I figured, you know, we've come all this way. We're going. So we we just kind of lock-stepped right in behind the banner and headed down the parade route. And uh, it was it was pretty uh, – it was a, a – pretty tense little uh, 
couple hundred yards there as we walked down the streets, this, this small town, the streets were really close. The I bet the street wasn't more than 30 feet wide and it was lined with people and kids with bicycles and dogs and Oh man, there was all kinds of stuff, balloons and people with bubble machines and loudspeakers. And for the most part, he did really well and I was real happy with him. Every once in a while, he'd get a little bit nervous at something and I'd just keep moving his feet. Uh, now that I knew he had the potential to to bolt on me, I, I kept uh, kept him a little bit more focused on me and what I was doing and it was about a mile walk through the parade route, and then we had to walk all the way back to our staging area. And the because we're not going to go back down the same route, we had to walk down an alleyway uh, almost all the way back to to the the truck. And that was an adventure all of itself because the alley was even narrower than the street, and there were backyards that faced in and and dogs that would bark, and cars that would pull out, and all kinds of really strange things that that happened. And uh, and after I got over the initial embarrassment and uh, frustration of losing my horse, we had a really good time and uh, made it back to the trailer. I tried to give him a break by the trailer, but he was a little bit too nervous and didn't want to stand still. So I I just tossed him in and uh, we headed back home. It was a it's another hour down the road and it had been a long morning. But we had that under our belt and we got that out of the way and, and we looked good for the crowd, I must say. So we we got through that and uh, I was really proud that uh, that's the way Scratch performed. I was a little disappointed in the way he got away from me, but I was a little bit, I was really proud with the way he handled himself during the parade. And then since then, it's been, I've been working on a lot more desensitizing. Uh, I kind of avoided the desensitizing stuff with him because I had been advised from a number of people and I thought it was really, really good advice not to get him too dull. I didn't want to have him dull. I wanted him to keep it, I wanted him to keep moving for me and uh, he's been really, really sensitive and really good in that regard. So the last week or so, I've been working on desensitizing him. And uh, we're up to our 21st ride. We've been going to an arena uh, every morning, and uh, he gets trailered. We go to uh, we go to Rancheria Stables, and they have several different arenas that we can use, a medium-sized one and then a, a pretty large one that's uh, that's 150 feet by 300 feet, and then they have even one that's even larger than that. That's about two by four, and and we use both. We use all three of those arenas, and we're working on a freestyle routine, uh, both uh, under under saddle and then even uh, off the lead line too. So we're working on a number of different things that we're going to be trying to uh, perfect in time for the event in October. But he's doing really well as far as his. Uh, his loping goes along at the parade. Organizer Jeremy Dunn and I had a really long conversation about the hackamore, some of the techniques that are used, and because we had so much time to kill, he gave me a lot of really good pointers that I was able to put into action with Scratch right away, and I noticed quite a few results as far as that goes. Um, so during the week, we rode 
we kind of kept expanding our circle of influence and we rode around, like I said, Rancheria. We were working on side pass, backing up. Uh, we were working on picking up the correct lead and loping. I was also working on uh, doing the cloverleaf pattern. And then um, we were, of course, we were working on some more desensitizing. We went over to uh, Joanne Galbraith, a local horse trainer here. She has a, a smaller arena, but she specializes in uh, teaching, giving lessons to barrel racers, uh, pole benders, and uh, also does trail challenges. And she was generous enough to invite us over. And she has some obstacles set up, a mailbox, uh, some tire stepovers, some walkover poles. Uh, of course, there were some barrels and some um, pole bending there. So we got to use her arena, and it's out in a, in a completely different environment. There's a lot more stuff going on. It's a little bit uh, more intimate setting, and and uh, we got to work. Scratch and I got to work in that environment, and trying to keep his attention on me uh, was really kind of a challenge and and we work we wrote each workout is about uh 20 minutes of groundwork and then we we ride for about an hour or so sometimes i'll take a little bit of a break and then ride him a little bit longer and uh he continued to progress with at joanne's place there was a couple of obstacles he didn't really want to go through uh, we had a cowboy curtain we worked on and i had him going underneath that uh, we had him walking through the tires. So there's a lot of different things that he's been exposed to. And some of the things he's getting really good at, and some of them uh, he's still not as brave as I'd like him to be. I'd kind of like him to be more curious and to walk up to things instead of just uh, thinking that everything is going to eat him and, and take off in the other direction. But we've been working on it, and those things have been going well. Uh, I have interviewed... Earlier this year at the Ojai Cowboy School, I'd interviewed Caballero and Vaquero uh, Boone Campbell, and uh, I'll have a link to that in the in the show notes. And uh, Boone did an excellent uh, video for us on the use of the hackamore. I called up Boone and asked him if he had any time last week to uh, to spend some time with me and go over some some hackamore techniques. And he said, "Sure, why don't you come out on?" on uh, Thursday and you can uh, you, we can ride together and we can see what you're doing and maybe I can give you a few pointers. So uh, Boone's in Ojai um, and I loaded up Scratch. We, we headed out there, got there about two o'clock in the uh, afternoon and it was uh, about two and a half hour drive. So again, that guy is spending a lot of time in the trailer. I hope he doesn't learned to hate it but so far he seems to uh to tolerate Tribby and trailer quite well trailered him over there boone and i spent about three hours riding around in their arena working on different things he gave me some really good tips as far as how i was using my hands i was trying to use the hackamore a little bit too much like the uh like my snaffle bit and it doesn't really work that way i had to keep my hands a little bit uh a little bit shorter, and I also have a tendency to want to put my hands a certain spot on the reins and then just keep them there. And he said, I really need to kind of be a little bit more fluid with the length of my reins. There's going to be times when I want them real short, and there's going to be times where it's better to have them a little bit longer. 
So he kind of helped me out on a few things uh, of that nature. Uh, he really liked the way uh, Scratch was stopping. That is definitely the best maneuver that Scratch has in his arsenal is his stop. He really loves to stop and do nothing. <laughs> but uh, that was really fun. We Boone, uh, really appreciate him taking the time and working with us and giving us a little bit of the benefit of of his years of knowledge and study of of the Vaquero way. So that was a good trip to Ojai. We did that on Thursday. And then uh, Friday and Saturday, we I decided because he had been working so hard all week long and we'd been really kind of grinding away at, at our rides that I would just give Scratch a couple of days off and let him kind of rest and recover. Uh, it's pretty hot here in Bakersfield and we've been we've been working uh, probably three hours a day at each of the arenas and then plus the trailer time. So I thought he, he kind of needed a, a, at least a mental break from things. And um, I didn't want to work him too much, but each of the days on um, Friday and Saturday, I did a small little very light uh, freestyle groundwork trying to have him hook up with me at Liberty and do some of the things that we think we're going to be expected to do uh, during the event in October. So it was kind of fun. We just, it was really light. We worked in our 30 foot uh, little round pen and uh, I sat in a chair and tried to get him to go around me, did silly things like that and um, did some desensitizing with uh, with a ball and a couple balloons and the dogs and, all, you know, just just silly things to, to try and change things up for him and hope that he doesn't get too soured up on on the training that we are doing. So Scratch is coming along really well. I'm having a I'm having a heck of a time just having fun learning all this stuff. I think I'm finally figuring out the uh, the hackamore and how light of a touch that I'm trying to get from him. It's it's fascinating to see how quickly Scratch, when he gets a concept, how quickly he kind of builds upon that. And uh, and even though we had some uh, kind of headbutting going on now, I think we're, I get the feeling we're working more as a team. My goals for him in the next couple of weeks are to get him out on the trail. I want to see how he does out amongst the trees and the squirrels and the and the lizards and the jackrabbits and and we'll be trying to do some rides along the river and see how he does there. Uh, I'm hoping that he'll be safe and uh, we'll we'll kind of go from there and, and see how he does. If all goes well with the trail riding, then uh, I've got plans for him to do uh, to attend some events where there's going to be a, a large number of horses around us, the, some team sorting events. Whether we'll we'll participate in those, I don't. Don't foresee us right at this point, but eventually I do. And then maybe also some trail challenges that we're going to try and do before October to kind of get him used to being around horses. And I'm I'm hoping that he can grow into this and that he'll uh, learn to trust me and we can get some of these events under our belt and make him an all-around horse. I want him to be able to do whatever uh, his new owners are going to want him to do. So if it's trail riding, I want him to be a solid trail riding horse. If they want to do some team sorting or if they want to do some trail trials, I want him to be brave enough and secure and confident enough to be able to handle those events as well. So we're looking forward. We've got a, a 
we've got a good six weeks ahead of us, and we're going to be uh, we're going to be sprinting to the end. A lot of people ask, you know, are you getting attached to them? Yeah, you know, I'm getting attached to them, and I'm not looking uh, I'm not looking forward to auctioning them off, but. That's the uh, that's the goal that I've set for myself, and so I uh, plan on sticking with that goal, and uh, and I'm trying to make scratches uh, as solid a horse for somebody as I possibly can. So that's the update on scratch. I also have an update on the podcast. You know, one of the things that I that I wanted to accomplish with the Woe podcast was to increase my knowledge of horses and horsemanship. And I've really done that. I mean, I've got to interview quite a few people, and they've really helped me in my experience with this event and with working with Scratch. I've I've been able to go back to them and ask them for advice, and it really surprises me how, and I'm humbled by how generous they are with their, their time and advice. One of the the things in, when I began this experiment with scratch was I wanted to learn more about the vaquero way I wanted to know what the difference between a vaquero and a buckaroo and and a regular cowboy was and I started learning that from the different people I was interviewing but that kind of sparked my interest and I headed over to our local library and I found a couple of books by Arnold Rojas and Arnold wrote some books that he uh, started in the 1950s. And he was he lived near here. He lived near um, Bakersfield. And he wrote a lot about the Vaquero ways. And it was mostly storytelling that he was doing. He he was a real-life cowboy, and, or he was a real-life Vaquero, rather. And, and he... He knew a lot of people. He ranched on a lot of the ranches here in the, in Kern County, and he knew a lot of different vaqueros. And he would tell these wonderful stories that that gave you an insight into the to the ethics and the honor that and the horsemanship that go along with the vaquero way. And then some of the podcasts that I listened to, uh, this American Life. You know, they're they're big time podcasts, uh, Radio Lab, Ninety Nine Percent Invisible, Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. These podcasts all they a lot of them are storytelling podcasts. And I thought, man, how great it is that a guy like Arnold Rojas told real life stories of Vaqueros back in the 50s and 60s and 70s those are really like there's a there's not that much living history of the vaquero ways and wouldn't it be great to have a podcast where you talk to old cowboys and they don't have to be vaqueros but just to to learn some of the history of horses and horsemanship and how things were in the old days and to kind of preserve the way the cowboy life was and and some of the stories that these guys have. You know, they're, they're not going to be around forever. So I'd kind of like to, to do a podcast like that. It would be more of a storytelling podcast. Doesn't may not be a once-a-week type of deal. It depends on 
who we get and what stories we tell. I'd like to be, I'd like to have a little bit more polished as far as a story with a beginning, middle, and end. And, and quite frankly, I'm asking you guys if you would be interested in that. You know, I don't want to do something like this alone. These podcasts are a lot of work. There's, there's uh, editing and interviewing and, and securing the interview and getting it and finding out what the story is and then breaking the story down. And so I'd like to kind of invite you guys to uh, to see what you think about it. If anybody's interested in joining me, it's it's not a money-making proposition, but, you know, we'll learn a lot of good stuff. And we need, we, I say we, I, I need someone who would likely co-host with me and do the show alongside me. And we don't have to be in the same location to do that, thanks to technology. Uh, we would we need somebody to help kind of discover the stories, look for interesting places to to find people to interview, and I have some ideas on that on where we can we be, can begin. And then we have to kind of figure out what stories we want to tell, and do we want to have you know? And I think there's room for a lot of create creativity in the whole in the whole endeavor. And then we'll. You know, I can still do all the editing. I can, you know, but I need somebody to help work with the, maybe the website and write descriptions and get links and things like that. So if you're interested, you know, you can always find me at woepodcast.com. My email address is right there. Just john at woepodcast.com. Contact me. We'll talk about it and see if there's any interest in building kind of an oral history of the cowboys that are today. You know, something that... We'll, we'll have this on the internet and people, you know, years from now will be able to hear the stories that we're able to tell. So that's an idea. I don't know if it ever come to fruition, but um, if you're interested, we'll, you know, I'll talk about it the next couple of podcasts and let you know what's going on and encourage you to, to uh, contact me and, and see if we can put something together. I'd like to have a, a team of, of, you know, three, four, five, as many people would, really that would like to participate. And maybe we can get something going together. And uh, I think it'd be a great collaborative effort, a great way to, to, to kind of experience horses and horsemanship together. So if you're interested, that's what you'll do. You'll, uh, you'll email me and we'll talk about it. And I hope you'll share your ideas. Anyway, that's all I got for this show. Uh, I hope you're finding this stuff interesting, and uh, if you're, if not, we're, uh, you know, I'm always think coming up with something else, some idea that I can that I can work on. We've got some interviews uh, lined up for the fall. Some people have contacted me, and and I've got some interviews that I'm working on. So once this uh, Bacaro Heritage Trainers Challenge is is over with, we'll get back to some of the uh, some of the horsemanship podcasts that I know that you love and enjoy. Also would. Uh, Looking forward to doing some more veterinary medical podcasts with uh, with our friends over at Bakersfield Vet Hospital. So until then, I want to thank my my sponsors, Bakersfield Veterinary Hospital, for the for sponsoring Scratch and I during the Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge. And I also want to thank uh, Boone Campbell of the Ohio Cowboy School, Sean McRoberts of uh, Sean McRoberts Horseshoeing. He's helping us out too. Uh, Rancho Rio Equestrian Center, Matt Sheridan Performance Horses, and Joanne Galbraith 
trailer uh, horse trailer sales and horse training she's a, a great resource for that right here in Bakersfield California so once again thanks for listening everybody I really appreciate it and for Renee this is John Hare telling you to go have some fun with your horses bye bye everybody